Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And let's get down to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I will speak to you and he. All right. This is a long passage, and we're going to actually dissect it through. Um, yeah, we're going to kind of like go for a walk through this, okay? So because we're going through this passage, I need you guys to focus and to pay attention, because there are going to be key things that I'm going to address during this passage that we're going to kind of sit on, okay? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> Okay, uh, so if you guys don't know, Samaritans are actually, uh, they're mixed blood uh, of Gentile and Jewish blood. Um, at the time, the Jewish actually detested them. Like they, like, they didn't like the Samaritans. In fact, they wouldn't even go to Samaria because uh, they were afraid that they might get defiled and be dirty. So that's why this woman, this woman actually uh, draws water at the sixth hour, which is an uncommon hour uh, from the other woman, because she didn't want to face like the looks and the ridicule from them. So she purposely goes at an hour that nobody really goes at to draw the well from the uh, water from the well. Okay, so here, as she's there at the well, Jesus is already there, and he starts a conversation with her, but she's actually really surprised, because she was like, you're not, you're a Jew, and you would actually start a conversation with me, like, back then, uh, Jews never started uh, conversations with Samaritans, and so, uh, she was actually taken aback by the fact that Jesus actually approached her first, okay? So, in the midst of the Samaritan woman's reputation, and people looking down on her, he still saw her for who she was. Just like even today, like in this time, Jesus, he doesn't really care what reputation you have, how low of a state you're in, whatever it is, he doesn't really care because he will still approach you, just like how he did with the Samaritan woman. Okay? Um, so, at that moment, he asked her, will you give me a drink? But then she says, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, so how can you ask me for a drink? And at that point, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let's stop right there. Okay, so Jesus actually directly addresses the woman's spiritual need right away. He said, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew that I was Jesus, you wouldn't have asked me for water. You probably would have asked me for something better, for living water, right? And so back then in the ancient times, uh, living water uh, was actually spring water. People would think spring water was like living water because it actually bubbled up from the ground. And so, in this case, Jesus isn't talking about the living, the, you know, the active spring water, but he's actually talking about spiritual water that quenches our spiritual thirst so that we may never have to thirst again. And so, notice that he doesn't say that he is the living water, but that he is the one who gives the living water to us. Okay, and so in John chapter 7, 37 to 39, Jesus actually says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. So those who believed, they actually, uh, for those who believed in him, were later, they were to receive the Spirit, which is the living water. Okay, it's basically salvation. And so, in verse 11, 
The woman goes on and says, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, so where can you get this living water? So at this point, the woman is already intrigued, and she's saying, where can I get this? I know it's not exactly the same as the living water from the well, but it's different, and so where can we get it? That's what she's actually, you know, Jesus has her attention at this point. And so in verses 13 and 14, and this is one of the key verses of this entire passage, Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So at this point, Jesus makes a clear distinction of the water in the well that the woman was thinking of, and the living water that he was speaking of. And he was making a point here, a distinction that says that the living water that the woman actually needs is something that will fully satisfy, it will fully satisfy everything so that she never has to thirst for actual, just, you know, the things that she was always drawing drawing water from. Okay, so this is actually kind of symbolic. Um, So how many of y'all have actually been incredibly thirsty? Raise your hand. Thirsty, like as in like you're dehydrated, like you play sports, uh, whatever it is. Who plays sports in here? Anybody? Yeah, right? So sports. Uh, I remember one time in California, it was actually up north, uh, I went on like a missions trip where we had to do farm work, and it was at the heat of the day. And the pastor actually made me and my entire team uh, run or walk, go on a prayer walk for like four hours straight in the heat of the day. Uh, it was... Literally, it was one of the hardest things I think I've ever done. Like, I had no water. I couldn't even carry water with me. And I was incredibly thirsty. And so we would go. As soon as me and my team, uh, we walked and we came right back. And in the middle of our walk, there was literally uh, a, a, like one path in the railroad walkway with their bees, like, swarming, like, to and fro, like this. So we had to walk through that. And I was like, is this a trial? Like, I have no idea. Like, what's going on? And it was so scary because every single day I would fear that. Like, and I would actually walk behind the pastor because for some reason it would never go to him. And so, um, yeah, and then as soon as I came back, I kid you not, I went straight to the freezer, one of those freezers that you can actually walk in, and it was like a vault, like those vault door freezers. Me and my entire team just sat there and just literally drank all this water. It was gallons and gallons and gallons of water. That's what I'm talking about. That's thirsty, okay? And so I think at that point, if someone were to offer me like a can of soda, if someone were to offer me grape juice, whatever it is, I honestly, like, I think, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm really thirsty, the last thing I want is something sweet and carbonated and sugary. Because if you know, if you do, if you do your research, it actually makes you more thirsty. Right? And so, yeah, that's what research actually says. It says that caffeine, anything with high sugar level, um, anything carbonated, actually makes you thirstier. Uh, so it temporarily quenches your thirst, but then it, like, by the time you know it, you should have just gone for water in the first place. Okay? And so, in the same way, I want to actually, I want to actually um, address to you guys that there are times in life where we're gonna draw from the wrong source. Like when we're thirsty, and like for me, like I can put this in the context of when I get bored. Like I, I like to get abused. Like I can be at Walmart, which is like a supermarket, for like hours. In fact, when I go back to visit home, the first thing I, I tell my mom or whoever is to drop me off at Walmart, don't talk to me, and I'll, and I'll do it. I'll come back in like two hours. I did it actually this past summer too. I just can look for hours and just be amused because I'm just bored. I get bored so easily. Um, I think it's coming from an extroverted nature. Like I just like, you know, need people or need exciting stories or whatever it is, right? And so in the same way, I would get bored like, and I would just kind of 
turn my attention and drive to different things. And so, like, when I get bored, I would, honestly, I would watch a lot of Korean dramas. I would, like, listen to music. I would be on YouTube, and by the time I know it, I don't even realize it's, like, 11 when I started at 8. Or Facebook is demonic. Seriously, I don't even, like, newsfeed, I can't stop scrolling. And so it's to the point where I want to, like, fast from it. Like, I want to get away from it. That's how bad it is. That's what happens when I want something to satisfy uh, when I'm thirsty, when I'm quenching, when I want something to quench it, right? And so, even in the same way, um, it lasts only for a moment, but it doesn't last forever. And so I want, like, what I want to actually address to you guys is that when was there a time when you constantly plugged yourself into the wrong source, or constantly, it may not seem wrong to you, but it could be a waste of time, when obviously it could have been settled like in an instant, like with something else, right? And so like, when was that time? Seriously, the next time, like when you feel like you're bored, or you're like, you know, you need something, like I want you to ask yourself, like what do I do with that? What do I do with this desire when I want something else, when I want something more, like what do I do with that? And so when you're bored and you have nothing to do, what is it that you always turn to? Like, what thoughts do you turn to? What habits and what actions do you actually turn to? And I want you guys to actually really think about these things. Because if you actually catch yourself and really assess yourself, you will, you might actually be able to cut off, like, a lot of, like, habits that you don't really need, right? And so moving on, it says in verse 15 that the woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So Jesus says, go call your husband and come back. The woman proceeds to say that she has no husband, and then Jesus says, you are right when you have no husband, because you have five, and the man that you're with right now isn't even your husband. And so you see here, Jesus knew the woman's past all along. He knew that she had a total of five husbands. He knew that she's you know, with someone that's not even her husband right now. He knew all of these things, and he addressed this to her, but yet she totally ignores this, and she changes subjects. In fact, she goes, oh yeah, like, you know, she says, um, like, you know, something about the mountains, and like, our fathers worshipped, worshipped on this mountain, or like, she totally changes subjects. So how many of us, when God, or even your parents for this matter, or your friend, they confront you and they're like, hey, this is not okay, or hey, like, you have, a, you have an addiction to like, World of Warcraft, or like, I don't know what you guys play these days, we have an addiction to like, I don't know, tweeting, or whatever it is, or like, you, you don't spend enough time with me, like, you're always like, out with friends, but not with me. Whatever the problem is, whatever, it's like a sin, whatever, it's like a habitual sin, whatever it is, um, how many of us tend to change subjects? Right? I don't think I'm the only one. And I think uh, one thing that I always tried to do uh, growing up, because I think I was very stubborn, especially when my parents would uh, point out flaws like in my life, is like I'm always trying to change the subject. Just as this woman did, as Jesus was asking her, like, hey, like, you know, you have a problem. Like, you're, you have five husbands and you're not even with your husband right now. And she'd be like, oh, Jesus is living in the mountain, worship Father. Okay? And it's just like all this. Like, you have, like, no idea, like, what, you know, Jesus clearly knows what she's trying to do. She's trying to change subjects, right? And so, anytime when God is trying to confront your current or your past sins, whatever it is, it's because he wants to expose it, not to embarrass you, but so that you can deal with it, so you can be set free from it. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to actually talk about this a little bit later. Uh, so, as you change the subject, and um, I think almost to avoid awkwardness, that's, like, the biggest thing. Right? To avoid any kind of awkwardness. Um, I think looking back um, in my life, 
is something like, you know, when I read this passage, the first thing that I thought of was like all the stuff I was telling you guys right now, right? I didn't realize that she was changing subjects. You know, I didn't realize that the woman came at an odd hour. I didn't realize any of these things. But then I think something that really reminds me of this time as, you know, being like a Samaritan woman was something that happened about four years ago. So I came to Korea about four years ago. Um, at that time, I was kind of like the woman at the well. I had probably, I was at the lowest point of my life, uh, my reputation. Uh, I actually had dated my best friend's ex at the time. It was terrible. Everyone talked about me, but I didn't care. Uh, there was, I don't know, I just felt uh, the most far away from God. Like, I felt so distant from Him. I felt very numb. Like, I knew everything about Christianity. I was born into a Christian home, everything. But I just felt completely numb. And I felt very unmotivated to get my life, you know, back with God. And because of this, I was going to other things. Like, I was definitely dating a lot. And I've always dated a lot all my life. Um, I started getting paranoia. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was clinical if I had gone to a doctor. It was like to the point where I couldn't even read the news because I felt like everything was going to happen to me that I read about. Um, I, when I was in Korea visiting at the time, I, I like would clutch onto the railroad, like railway or whatever, because I was scared someone would push me. Um, I felt I was walking in zigzags at one point because there's a sniper around my neighborhood, so I thought I was going to get sniped. I mean, I'm talking like this is serious. And I mean, honestly, I can tell you the result was because I, I kept watching too many scary movies. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I love the loved the thrill of uh, just watching scary movies. But everything I, I watched, I realized um, I thought it was going to happen to me. So it was kind of like that. It's kind of like when doctors study diseases and they think they have every single disease. That's what I thought. I thought everything that I was watching, and I don't really tell this part usually um, to my friends because it's kind of embarrassing, like how I think I was literally clinically paranoid. And so um, I think uh, at that time, I was very like paranoid of things. I was very oppressed. And on top of that, I would be very obsessed with researching about conspiracies just the past time. It was like really bad. I think like 9-11, Amityville uh, Horror, don't forget any of these things, and like exorcism. Like it was, and honestly when I look back, it wasn't healthy. But I just, I, I forensics, anything with like a homicide or a death, like I don't know why. I would just get so, I think it was my empathy that in the wrongest way possible that kicked in because like oh my gosh, if I was that girl that got slain or but I, you know, died, like, I don't know what her family might feel like, and like, and I started researching about that. And so I would literally, when I was bored, when I was far away, not doing the best, I would go to, like, all these different things, right? And so, um, I think, finally, okay, at that state, and I was dating, I've always dated, like, all my life, uh, at a very, very young age, and I never, ever not was single, but, uh, and I was even dating then, uh, when I came to Korea, but, uh, I felt incredibly alone. Uh, I didn't, but I think I had one friend here who actually goes to New Philadelphia Church. Uh, at the time, I only had one friend. Uh, I didn't want to go to church, though. I remember actually stepping into New Philadelphia Church four years ago, and if you have not been to the church, you know, oh, if you've been to the church, you know that people, like, jump up and down, and, like, they're, like, crazy, and, like, free, and they're not even trying to show up. It's just really because they want to. And, like, I remember looking around, I was clapping, I was like, hey, uh, God, I, I honestly want to be just like them, but... Uh, you know me, and I am not at any state to ever want to get close. I just don't have any motivation or any will. But God, I actually want it. Like, I was freaked out. I um, was very amused, because, you know, I like to get amused. I was very like that. But in the midst of it all, like, I almost resented 
them because I was like, oh, they're being so fake. Like, why, what, why, what is so happy? Like, I don't even know what's, like, the big deal. But then I think, like, one thing that I really noticed when I look back was deep down inside, I wanted to be just like them. Because I knew that they had something that I really wanted. Like, they have freedom. Like, they didn't care what people thought. Like, for me, I was, like, clapping on exactly, like, two and four, and I was like, you know, I don't want anyone to notice me. I slipped right out. As soon as the service ended, like, benediction, amen, I, I booked it. I, didn't, I tried not to let anyone even notice I was there. Because uh, I was in such a bad, like, really, really far state. Okay, I was, in, I was really, like, you know, very shy as well. Man, my, my posture was terrible, too. Everything. So I was incredibly alone, but then God makes it very clear, like, I think a month in, that I need to break up with the person I was dating, and so that was clear. But I realized that um, after I decided to split ways with him, uh, God, like, really, I felt, okay, God, like, all my life I was wasting away, like, you know, with guy after guy, and, like, relationship after relationship, but I'm really just going to try to get back with you. This was January of 2010. And I remember, I, I sat in my room, and I was like, God, I'm going to get back with you. Like, I don't know how. And I realized that when I wanted to get back with God, I had no part, I had nothing to give him. Because it was so, like, given to this person, to that person, that person. And so I felt, like, I don't know if you guys have ever felt hopeless, but I felt, like, incredibly hopeless. Like, I felt like I couldn't even pick myself up. At that time, it was freezing. It was one of the worst winters of Korea, people have said. Like, in fact, they never get snow in Korea. So when they actually had snow, like, like this high, they were freaking out. And everyone's like, they have no shovels because there's no snow. So they take cardboard boxes and they're, like, trying to shovel them out on the streets. Like, whatever it was, I was incredibly sick. Uh, I was by myself. I was very alone. And I didn't tell my parents. Every time I Skyped with them, I was like, yeah, it's great. And then I turn off, and I was like, cry. And um, I don't know, I think it's my personality. I'm the oldest of like four, so I, I just don't like showing weakness. And so I will purposely like, you know, I don't want to tell anyone I was having a hard time. But really, it was one of the hardest points of my entire life. Um, I don't know if you guys feel that right now, being an exchange student, everything is new. Some of you guys came with friends and groups, some of you guys didn't. But uh, if there was one time where I felt completely alone, completely jaded, and completely just hopeless, it was this time right here. And so I made a decision that night. I promised God, and I was like, God, I will not date for a year, for one year, until my heart becomes whole. Okay, so for me, guys, that's a big deal. Like, I never got into alcohol or drugs or whatever. So me, like, not dating for a year means, like, me being sober for a year. That's how hard it was for me to not date. Because if I wasn't dating, I was crushing on somebody. If I wasn't crushing on someone, I was daydreaming about crushing on someone. <laughs> it was really bad. And I think more than cutting off, like, physically, like, hey, I don't have a boyfriend, it was more this. Like, it was all in my mind. Like, and it says, it's true, girls tend to fantasize more, like, oh my gosh, like, if a guy, like, literally just touched you on the back, oh my gosh, he loves me. <laughs> you know, and like, and I, I realized this, like, when I went on a first date with a guy, the guy would probably be like, oh, that's the first date, but for me, when I get home, like, I'm already thinking about, wow, can I marry him? Like, is he the one? I always do that. Now, I'm not the only one. I always did that, and I think more than a, um, a physical habit that I had to cut off, it was more of like a mind that I had to really renew like during that time. And so, yeah, for a whole year, I actually didn't date. I was so proud of myself. Like, you have no idea. I was really proud of myself. But as soon as I decided to like cut it off with all guys, God slowly, just like as he confronted the woman, the Samaritan woman, he would bring up past relationships 
past physical things I did, like everything, like every single thing I did with a guy, every single uh, word that came that, that they would say to me, like, you know, that I would say to them, it all, literally, it just, it was ugly. Then I started detoxing it. It started coming out. And I realized that, I was like, God, like, why are you doing this to me? Like, it, this is terrible. Like, it, it actually makes me feel more of a terrible person. But I think what he was trying to say at that time was, you know, I want to bring it up to surface so that you can get rid of it. And so I think he started pointing out things uh, that I, you know, I knew I shouldn't have done, uh, things that I knew I shouldn't have said, uh, only to uproot it once and for all. And so I think, like, I actually had to, through a pastor and my friend who brought me here, I had to make a list of guys that I had to forgive and a list of guys that I needed forgiveness for, and even my best friend who I, I backstabbed her, basically, right? And so um, I had to really forgive that. It sounds crazy, guys. It's not like a Christmas list. Like, it's really like, it was just like, and I was like, you want me to make a list? And I actually felt very embarrassed. But I was like, yeah, make a list. Make a list of every guy you hurt you, every guy you did this with, every guy that, um, you know, caused your identity to be the way that it was. And so, like, it was one of the hardest things to write out the guy's name. And, and I thought I was over it. I thought I was, you know, completely okay. But as I was writing out the names, I was like, yeah, yeah, number five, yeah, number seven. Yeah, he hurt me too. And I think it's, I, I got so angry that I almost couldn't pray in prayer forgiveness. I was like, this is the list. And I was just so, like, I was really appalled. I just couldn't believe, like, they did this to me. And, like, and I did this to them too, you know? And so... <laughs> I think um, at the time, like as I finally did it, it was one of the hardest things I did. As I did it, um, I just completely, like I felt completely free. And everything that I thought I was, you know, guy, you know, I thought I was beautiful because like 10 guys told me I was. I thought I was worthy because I was dating the whole time. Every false identity that I had, it just broke off one by one by one by one. And I think, um, and even my time at New Philly, uh, there at the church, at any church, guys, but for me, it was New Philly. I didn't want to go every single time. Like, every Sunday, I was like, I, I just don't want to go. Every Friday, Friday prayer meeting, I don't want to go. Every, everything. Like, I was so terrified of people, and I was like, I'm not going to go. And then, I kid you not, when I dragged my butt there, everything that Pastor Christian was speaking, every altar call, like, it, it really, I went up for it because it pertains to me. It got to the point where I was like, God, please, whatever you do, Please do not make me go up. Like, I promise I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness in my room. Please do not make me go up. Like, don't make me go up for an altar call. And it was really to that point. And um, every time I just allowed my heart to be open, okay, God, just do whatever. I really don't care. Like, I'm at the state where you can just do whatever you want. Like, I couldn't help but to change. In fact, he was carrying me the whole time. And yeah, like before I knew it, I started getting like healing, like left and right, and getting restored left and right, realizing that I'm not. Like, the shy, like, you know, this little weak person. Oh, my gosh. I used to make myself weak in front of guys, like, emotionally, because I was like, yeah, I can depend on them. Or, like, things like that. And I used to make myself very vulnerable in that sense. But I realized I don't have to be. Like, I'm bold. Like, I'm strong. Like, I don't need, like, someone to tell me what I am. And so, um, I think, yeah, even now, I want to tell you guys that I stand, like, as a free person, like, healed from, like, all those things. And if I really look back on it now, if I had left a year, like, Right after I came, like just exactly a year, because I told God I would leave every single year, and, and I didn't. But if I had left, like I don't know where I would have been. I, I honestly would never be doing this. I would never be doing this ministry. I would never, uh, you know, be able to experience KU, meet all of you people, and then, and even last semester, like you know, Tay and Doreen and like that. Even though like it was just the most amazing 
uh, semester in Emmaus because like I've met students who looked at me like during our first one-on-one and completely just like broken, like lifeless, uh, dealt with trauma. And, and I would just look at them, and I'm like, man, like, there's just so much God wants to do. And by the time they left, completely different people. Yeah. Like, completely changed. And um, they, they're like, uh, there's like 10 girls and like one guy. <laughs> one solid guy. I feel like that's right, but honestly, like, he did such a good job dealing with all the emotions. But, um, so basically, it was like 10 girls and like one guy and me and Matt, like mom and a dad, right? And uh, I just remember, like, slowly but surely, like, from 10, 11 people of awkwardness, like slowly just starting to get to know each other. Hey, what's your story? Hey, like, what do you, you know, where, where did you come here? Like, hey, how did you think of this message? Whatever it was, and like, that's something I actually want to encourage you guys to do as well. Like, as the semester rolls along, like, yeah, you guys have roommates, you guys have friends, you guys have groups, whatever it is, but you never know who will carry your breakthrough until you open your mouth and ask them a question, and they ask you something back in return, right? And so, um, yeah, okay, I'm coming to a close here. If you have not heard anything that I said before, I want you to just hear everything, okay? Everyone, turn to your neighbor and say, are you awake? Are you awake? I know it's hot in here, guys. Hang on for just a little bit. I know it's hot. Uh, okay. Number one thing. God will approach you, meet you, encounter you, no matter what state that you're in. I don't care if you're apathetic. I don't care if you don't even... Like, you know, if you did, like, everything, like, all possible things, if, you know, what you said, like, what your past looks like, whatever it is, you know, when you look at the Samaritan woman, you didn't think twice. And so whatever state that you're in, guys, whatever negative emotion, whatever background you're from, God will still encounter you. Yeah. He won't push it at you, though. But he'll slowly just kind of like, hey, like, take that. Or, hey, come out to large group. Or, hey, like, do this. I'm not pitching for a maze, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but I think uh, just in general, he will still approach you no matter what. I didn't want to open my heart up to God. I, I literally, what I did was, I kind of gave up. And then he just kind of, he's like, okay, he gave up. That's exactly what I wanted. He just kind of took, took me. And so he'll really approach you no matter what situation that you're in. Okay, so uh, I think something that I really want to encourage you guys is just to be open this semester. Like, no matter what happens, uh, no matter how you feel, even no matter what your relationship looks like with Jesus, whether you believe in him or you don't, just be open. And I think something in the past two, three weeks that I've been really blessed by is students who come up to me and said, um, I've never grew up in the church, or I don't really, you know, I, yeah, I don't really know if God exists, but, you know, I'm down to just come out. I'm down to just, you know, be open, just to mingle with you guys. And yeah, like when I ask them, you want to come out to church? Like, yeah, I'll come out to church. Like, I'm open. You know, that really, it really blesses me. Like, I don't think I have any idea. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of boggles my mind, like how uh, people who are maybe, I don't know, just different backgrounds, but still, like, you'll just be open to it. And I want to encourage you guys, like, this entire semester, just be open. You don't need to come with an agenda. You don't have to expect an agenda from God, but just be open. And just see what he's going to do, okay? And see what he's about to do. Number two, Jesus is the only one who can satisfy your thirst. And now this can, this can be very, uh, this can argue with every point that you probably have right now that comes up as soon as I say this. But, you know, I kid you not, when you, when you come here, and as you guys have come here um, to, to study abroad, if there's like a part of you that's like, man, like, this is great, but there's more... Um, you know, I thought, like, I lived life to the fullest, but I think there's more, like, I don't know, just, like, there's just something, like, that's missing, maybe. The chances are that there is more. The chances are that there are more. And I'm here to tell you that we really were made for more. 
And like for me, like when I was on this journey with God, I found out more about myself than I've ever done in like the past, like all this time growing up in my childhood. And so like the past four years have been honestly life changing. I can tell people right away, like actually like a student that I met like asked me like, you know, what brought you here? Like why did you decide to do this? And I literally said, I do amazing ministry because it's life changing. And um, I love the fact that, you know, just I just love seeing God move um, in people's hearts. And I love seeing countenances change. I, I love seeing like sin be broken off and um, people to discover more about themselves through discovering Jesus. And um, yeah, so I think just one thing is um, not only just be open, but I want to really invite you guys to just come out, come out to like His presence, come out to if you just like the woman, like you know she plucked herself back to Jesus. Like if you want to know more, um, and I and I encourage you guys if you don't know about Jesus, just ask questions. You don't have to, I'm not going to force it on you, but just ask. If you're like, hey, I actually didn't understand, like, what this is about. Uh, I've never really known who this guy is. But, you know, just ask. You know, just be open. And um, just keep coming out. You can ask any of the staff. You can ask more if you want after this. Um, I've had students that came up to me, like, alone because they, did, they weren't comfortable sharing even in front of a small group. Like, they asked to meet with me alone on campus. And I'm completely fine with that. I'm, I can assure you. Like, everyone else is on staff as well. Even John, our praise leader. Even Noreen, our student leader. Um, just whatever it is, like, I know we're all relational people. That's one thing I fully have confidence in. Just ask. And if you want to discuss, you can discuss. I'm all down for discussion. Okay? Um, and the third thing that I want to address is that I really feel and I really believe that there are things. As I was sharing to you, that there are things that... Um, God will start pinpointing, like he'll start putting his finger on, and it might be uncomfortable, it might be awkward, but then he'll start to kind of like fidget here and fidget there in your life because he wants to address it, and he wants you to just meet face-to-face with it, and he's doing it only, again, not to embarrass you, but just to know that, hey, you don't have to deal with this trauma and this sin for the rest of your life. You don't need to deal with this habitual habit for the rest of your life. In fact... You can be set free from this. If only, again, you can come up to the staff, you can keep coming out to church, whatever it is, and if you want to seek him more, seek him, and I guarantee he will show himself to you and he will prove himself to you. Okay, and just like as it says um, towards the very end of the verse, um, the woman, she actually, uh, yeah, the woman later in the passage, Jesus tells the woman that he's actually the Messiah, so she runs straight to the village, leaving her water pot behind even, and tells everyone, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Right? And the woman was not only amazed that, uh, that Jesus knew about the facts and sins of her life, but he was even more amazed that he would still love her despite anything else. Right? John, can you come up? Yeah, and so I think uh, something that I want to leave you guys with is um, if you are seeking God in a time of like hardship, or if you're not seeking God in a time of hardship, again, like what I said before, just be open, guys. And I guarantee, just like what he did in my life, just like how he completely, and you can ask any of the other staff here as well, but uh, just completely transformed me. Like, I just, I want to invite you guys out to that. Amen? So can you guys close your eyes, please? Close your eyes and I want you guys to stand to your feet.
thing that God was really telling me uh, in my quiet times as I was spending time with him is that Jesus, he actually wants freedom for everybody. Uh, he not only wants freedom for you to break free from like whatever trauma, whatever past memories that hurt you, uh, whatever um, habits that have been formed in the past that you just can't get rid of, but I feel like he also wants freedom for you to get over yourself. Freedom from you to not be so hard on yourself. And freedom for the areas where you literally you can't stand seeing yourself in certain ways. God wants freedom for everyone tonight in this place. So if that's you, if you were like how I was four years ago, where despite whatever state that you're in, whether it's you just feel numb, whether it's like, God, I I mean, this sounds so good in theory, or this just sounds amazing right now, but I guarantee God, like, to be honest, I'm just going to forget it the moment I leave, uh, or whatever, I don't know, or to you, even in the past two weeks since, you know, coming out, it's just been kind of cool, like, it's been really fun, uh, but now things are starting to get real, you know, I just feel like uh, if you want to get to know Jesus in that personal way, make that prayer tonight. And if you guys, um, even in your head, even in your heart, whatever it is, if you guys have had a hard time with certain things in your life that just keep coming up, like literally repetition keeps coming up, and you're like, why am I dealing with this again? I could have honestly, this could have been settled like, like years ago. Why is this coming up again? Why am I dealing with the same trauma, the, tra- the same sins? Like, why am I still thinking the same ways? Whatever it is, God, uh, guys, I just want you guys to bring it before God. And just to really make this prayer. Like, God, I have no idea what's going to happen for the rest of the semester. Uh, this just, it does sound great. Kind of like what I did when I sent this to church. I was like, God, this looks amazing. Like, these people look so good. Uh, this kind of looks like I'm living back in your times. But, I mean, you know me. Like, you know, I don't really, I'm not really down with that. Or, you know that I'm not really sure if I can get there. Whatever it is, guys, I just want you guys to really open up your hearts and just really give him a chance. Invite him in. And make a simple prayer. You can whisper this prayer and be like, God, whatever happens in this semester, whatever state that I'm in right now, I'm going to forget it. And I'm going to really pray to you, God. I give everything to you. Please do what you will in my life. Take me away. Carry me. Carry me in all my heart, all my desires, all my hopes, whatever it is. Carry me, God. Because really, it's not really up to me anymore. It's really up to you. So I want you guys to go ahead and make that prayer. Just pray it in your hearts. If there are certain things that are really uh, bothering you, like it's been stirring up, or whether you've been having just a really just straight up good time, that's great too. Whatever it is, I want you guys to explain. Tell God how you really feel, not how you're supposed to feel. Go ahead and make that prayer right now. Let's pray.